I have a problem when people misrepresent themselves in the content that they produce. And I think that's when things really become dangerous because the average casual recreational better, it's very difficult for the, them to decipher who is a winning better, who is a losing better, who they should tail with their plays if they're going to tail plays. Hey, this is Jesse here, and you're about to hear my conversation with Rob Pozzola from the Hammer Betting Network. Rob is a well-known professional sports better, a prolific content creator, and somebody who I put on my Mount Rushmore of people on gambling Twitter. He is also co-owner of the popular bet tracking amp Betstamp, but it's his latest project that might be his biggest bet yet. The Hammer Betting Network aims to be the industry leader in providing trusted sports betting content, and Rob tells the story of how he and his team launched this project in only two and a half months and in time for the start of the new NFL season. It was a ton of fun to chat with Rob, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. But before we get started, I want to remind you that the betting industry's startup ecosystem is more active than ever, and the Betting Startups newsletter is the easiest way to keep your finger on the pulse of it all. Once a month, I send a roundup of all of the funding announcements, product launches, and new partnerships that matter from the most promising startups in the game. Take 15 seconds and subscribe now at news.bettingstartups.com. But now, on to my conversation with Rob. All right, here we are back with episode 39 of the Betting Startups podcast. And for this one, I have Rob here from the Hammer Badge. Rob, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you, Jesse? Doing fantastic. Thanks. It's Friday. We've officially started the NFL season, albeit we have the first full weekend of games ahead of us still. But uh, I guess with the Thursday nighter out of the way, how are you feeling here? Just kind of crossing that threshold and, and sort of officially being into the start of the season. Yeah, it's it's when it officially becomes a reality for me. Obviously, I do a lot of prep work heading up into the year. Candidly, the first couple of weeks of football season are a huge grind for me, probably the most I'm going to spend at a computer for the entire season. So I'm, I'm not necessarily looking forward to football uh, a lot of times. And I, I do like the summer break, but and then it hits you and you watch that actual live action and you just get right back into the mode. So now I'm in football season officially and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Right on. Well, great to have you here. Appreciate you taking a few minutes. You're an extremely busy guy. I mean, you've been a professional better for a long time. You've been in the content game for probably just as long. You're also one of the most well-known personalities on the corner of Twitter, affectionately known as gambling Twitter. Uh, I think you have something like 35,000 plus followers. So looking forward to diving into all of these things over the next 25-ish minutes with you, Rob. It's probably pretty rare these days, I guess, for you to have to introduce yourself on a podcast, but my audience skews a little bit more towards the B2B side of things and the industry side. So despite your large following of betters, it'd be great if you could spend a few minutes just giving us a quick introduction and maybe a sense of some of your background and some of the things you've done, both on the betting side, but also the content side as well, up until the co-founding of The Hammer Bet. For sure. So I'm, I'm a professional sports better now, but uh, I've had a very interesting I guess, professional career in that I started in the media business. So I was a radio producer in the sports industry, eventually became an on-air host. Uh, while I was doing that, I was actually losing quite a bit of money betting on sports. And then eventually uh, having a stats background, which is what which I studied in university, I kind of just started to apply some statistical principles to betting on sports. And I slowly started to realize, okay, maybe I actually have something worthwhile here. So uh, over time, I just kind of continuously refined some mathematical models to the point where I got to being a semi-pro. And then eventually I was just making more money than I was in my day job. So I decided to pursue it as a full career. Um, I do not enjoy betting, but it's a means to a good well-being for me. Part of the reason that I don't is I find it very monotonous, kind of the same routine over and over, which is why I've ventured out into a few other ventures, one being Betstamp, which I co-own, and now the Hammer Betting Network, which I co-founded as well. 
Interesting. Before we talk about some of those projects, I actually want to dig into that just briefly here. And, you know, I don't have a lot of professional betters on my podcast. I mean, you're actually the first one and, and might be the last one, but just I want to touch upon that point you just mentioned, which is sort of the, the fun or the enjoyment aspect of it. And obviously, from the industry perspective, a lot of the messaging right now is about sports betting being sort of a new entertainment product. But for people that do it with a profit motive, it is work, right? And just wondering if you can sort of just elaborate on that a little bit, Rob, and just sort of like the I guess, a mindset that's required to, to bet plus EV over the long run, sort of how that's different than sort of the, the mass market entertainment product that's being pushed out there right now. I think my particular betting style also contributes to it. So I'm an originator. I set probabilities for games and I bet wherever I find an edge uh, rather than steam chasing or, or some other type of approach. And because of that, I'm more prone to extended losing periods and I've never personally been able to handle anxiety well or stress well. So from that point of view, uh, I do have several times a year where I start to question everything. Like, what am I doing wrong here? Do I have to refine this? Do I have to refine that? Makes for a very stressful way of, of living. Uh, however, the money is good. I, I, you know, I, I've made this my profession full time for going on a handful of years now, and, and it's gone pretty well. Uh, but I do tell people all the time, if I could make the same amount of money in another industry, it's something that I enjoyed a lot more. I would give up sports betting in a second because uh, I don't find it, you know, the day to day to be all that appealing. You know, a lot of people that that watch sports and would aspire to be pro betters, they think I'm crazy when I talk about it, but it's just my own personal feeling. I'm a huge sports fan. I don't consume sports the same way that I used to because of the the style in which I bet them. And, and that, you know, it's kind of a bummer as well. Interesting. And then my last question, just on the betting side of things. I mean, I've heard anecdotally that it's getting tougher to find an edge these days. Obviously, for people that are plus EV, you know, it's harder to get down and, and, and find accounts without getting restricted and closed. And I'm just curious, Rob, just for you, what's your sort of assessment on that these days? Is it as hard as I've sort of been hearing or what's just sort of the landscape looking like for a professional better in that regard? Yeah, I would I would agree with that. My my edge has been diminishing over the course of the last couple of years. Part of it is being able to get down. I mean, you can still do it. Uh, I, I luckily have, like you mentioned off the top, 35,000 followers on Twitter. I get people reaching out to me all the time of like, would you like some of my accounts and that? So it's, it's a little bit easier for me to, to replenish those accounts. But I think it's just harder to beat sports in general because there's more sharp action in market. And generally, it's happening earlier and earlier. Um, so just an example. But when I first started betting professionally, I was predominantly betting baseball. And I would wake up in the morning Typically, limits would be raised by all of the, the market-making sports books around 8 a.m. Eastern time or so. I'd have you know a dozen baseball plays that I could fire at that time. A couple of years later, I'd be waking up at that same time and I'd maybe have two or three because a lot of people were betting into the overnight market that were moving lines. And I think we've seen more and more of that in recent years where it's just like a race to get down earlier. Uh, how quickly can I beat someone else to this number? That makes it more difficult to do what I do and to win at scale. Uh, with that said, I mean, there are advantages to the regulation. You do have way more sports books you can bet at. You can get better prices. Um, so, so it's not like a complete disaster in terms of uh, I've completely lost my edge. But sure, I mean, I think with each passing year, it does get a little bit tougher. Yeah, fair enough. You mentioned a few minutes ago, in addition to all of the betting that you're doing and your new project, The Hammer Bet, which I promise we will come to in a minute here. Uh, you also, uh, I think a few years ago, co-founded BetStamp. And I'm wondering if you can just spend a couple of minutes just talking about that project, uh, maybe for listeners, if you could just quickly explain what it is and maybe what the origin of it was, and then we'll sort of move forward into Hammer Bet here. 
So I will correct you. I didn't actually co-found Betstamp. I am a co-owner, so I invested in Betstamp as a project. With Uh that said, I like to consider myself somewhat of a co-founder because before that project even got off the ground, the two people that originally founded it had reached out to me for some consulting um, in terms of what they were going to build, the vision, so on and so forth. And I basically told them, like, I'm not really interested at this point, but get something off the ground. Let me see a, a product in my hands and then we'll talk about it. And they built something which I found very difficult not to use on a daily basis mm. as a better. Um, and whenever, you know, I, I, I worked, I do have a bit of a product background. I was a product manager for the score for several years um, where I was in charge of their enterprise app. So it's kind of a passion of mine to build good products. As soon as I saw that, I was like, I need to be involved in this in some capacity. But essentially what Betstamp is, is it, it's a utility for sports betters. It can be used in a variety of ways. The, the main way would be a line shopping tool. Uh, it's not a traditional odd screen that that a lot of people may have seen before, which is sort of the traditional layout across desktop. This is more so of uh, filtering or you know highlighting where you should make your bet, where the best available price is whenever you're going to make a bet. So uh, more geared towards a recreational, although there are some sharps that would be able to use it as well. Uh, and then there's also some great bet tracking uh, associated with Betstamp as well. You very easy to log your bets. We do sync with some sports books as well. And then you can do r- run all sorts of analysis on your bet history, see where you're winning, where you're losing, where you're obtaining closing line value, basically a, a recommendation engine in, in terms of how you should modify your betting uh, in order to profit. Gotcha. And then how is the adoption of Betstamp flowing? And I guess sort of like the pick tracking space in general. Um, how are you finding just yeah, the overall adoption of that product? So it's going really well. Thursday night football last week, which was the the kickoff between the Bills and the Rams, was our biggest day ever in terms of daily active users. Uh, so we are growing. Uh, obviously, football is going to have that effect on on any app or sports book or, or or whatever in the space. But we are seeing a lot of traction. We are seeing a, a lot of our our brand getting out there a lot more. Our brand reputation is quite high. So we're pretty happy with the way that it's come along. We do have some you know big picture items in terms of the way that we want to evolve and do some things in the space that no one else is doing. Those are a little bit more difficult to navigate the waters of what's legal, what's not, you know, getting getting the, the legal approval on doing a number of things and so on and so forth. But there are bigger visions for where we're going to bring it. Overall, right now, though, I'm trying to run sort of like an educational campaign in market about the importance of line shopping. And honestly, betting as, as many books as is feasible within your bankroll. Uh, it's probably the best single tip I can give to someone who's trying to get off the ground or trying to turn a profit in sports betting is just become price sensitive. Uh, so because of that, I mean, I, I really believe in the product. We're trying to, to to get that out to the masses now because um, Jesse, you probably know this, but it, I mean, a lot of times it just falls on deaf ears. It's, it's very weird to me. A lot of people are price sensitive in their day-to-day uh, regular lives, but when it comes to sports betting, they just open up one sports book account and they continuously throw their bets in there and they don't even realize what they're doing to themselves. So really focused on educational components now in order to grow the business even further, but we are seeing a lot of traction. Awesome. Let's shift then to content, Rob. I think before we get into the hammer bet specifically, I just want to talk about content generally and and just the sports betting content landscape. I know you obviously have a lot of views on the current state of sports betting content and so much so it, it sort of drove you to actually start a new project in that space. So obviously you're trying to fill a gap that you perceive exists, but maybe just a sort of level set uh, to begin with here, Rob. Can you just sort of give us a sense of how you view the landscape and maybe just your overall assessment on, you know, whether are we reaching a point of saturation and and just sort of like what's the overall quality bar of the content that you observe out there right now? Well, I think the large majority of it, in my opinion, is poor. 
that doesn't mean that it doesn't resonate with someone else or that someone else doesn't find the content entertaining. Now, obviously, this space is dominated by money now because you have a bunch of sports books and a bunch of affiliates who are all in the space trying to grow their brands as much as possible. And they're just throwing around money at, at different content creators. And that's sort of the way the world works. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I have a problem when people misrepresent themselves in the content that they produce. And I think that's when things really become dangerous because the average casual recreational better, it's very difficult for the, them to decipher who is a winning better, who is a losing better, who they should tail with their plays if they're going to tail plays. And I think a lot of people just fall down the wrong path of thinking that someone is an expert in the space because they brand themselves as an expert in the space when they aren't. Um, so what I'm going for is more of a, a real approach. I think it's fine to produce entertaining content and recreational content and stuff that's not necessarily sharp. There, there's, there's definitely an audience for it. Uh, there's definitely viewership th that enjoys that type of content. I just have an issue when people brand themselves as experts uh, or pros when they're not. So as long as you're able to, to be real with your audience, I think that's, that's completely fine. That's not the type of content I necessarily consume. But there's obviously a huge demand for that. And uh, I, I'm not dismissive of, of whatever anyone wants to do, as long as I think that, that, that they are just real with their audience. Yep, fair enough. I uh, completely agree on that, Rob. Um, let's talk about the hammer bet then. For folks listening, just to give some context at a high level here, can you give a broad sense as to what the hammer bet is, it does, and maybe what the vision for it is? Um, and again, back to my point about sort of the gap that you're looking to fill in the space. How is it sort of positioned differently than uh, a lot of the other content networks that are out there today? I've always loved doing content myself, starting with it in my early 20s, producing sports media content, being a host myself. It's always been a passion of mine. I often like to tell people, I just like to have my voice heard. It's kind of true. I, I just like to get my opinion out there. It's just my, my nature. My sports betting partners absolutely hate it. They talk to me all the time about not doing it, but I enjoy it. So, but what I've noticed over the years is despite the fact that I have a fairly large following, same people consuming my content over and over again, because I'm mostly catering to a, a semi-sharp or sharp audience. And a lot of the educational stuff that I do is just not what a lot of people want to consume in the space. So I've really spent a lot of time focusing on the rest of the content outside of the sharp space. That's when I noticed, you know, what's happening in the TikTok communities, Instagram, but even just daily live streams with pics and how people are resonating with that. And really what I struggled to find in the space was anyone who's doing both well, either somebody's catering to the recreational or someone's catering to the sharp, but there's no one that's has like some sort of all-inclusive community for sports betting. And that was where the vision started. And that's what we wanted to build with the hammer and what we've successfully accomplished, I think, at least with uh, how we got off out of the gate. But essentially we have some sharp creators. We have some square creators. Nobody's misrepresenting themselves. Everybody's, you know, out there just to produce content. Uh, we're tracking everyone's plays that they give out on the network through Betstamp as well. So that if anyone if anyone that's viewing wants to know if someone's a winning or losing better, they can go through their bet history very easily. So it's fully transparent. And we're also doing a combination of shows where we have a square with a sharp and they can work off of one of each other, one another and kind of appeal to a larger audience. So that's what the vision was. It was kind of just let's build a community for all betters rather than one type or the other. I've been immersed in gambling Twitter for a long, long time. Both of these communities look down on one another, right? You have the hardcore bettors who are like, oh, this stuff is garbage and vice versa. Oh, these people are trolls and they're haters. And 
everyone just wants to bet on sports and make some money and have some fun. It, it, it is the reality of the situation. Everyone wants to be part of a community. So we're just trying to build one that's more all-inclusive. Awesome. You guys launched the hammer bet in time for the start of this NFL season. So it's all very fresh out of the oven, if you will. Um, can you talk about just the last couple of months, I guess, in sort of the buildup and lead up to it? And I think specifically, Rob, what I'm interested in hearing a little bit about is just this network of creators, I guess. I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about how do you appeal to those creators to join the network and just what those conversations were like and ultimately how you pulled all of that together essentially from nothing. It was really tough. Because honestly, we got this off the ground about two and a half months ago and started building the product. And the first three weeks or so of the product we built, we completely changed directions. Mm -hmm. It was going to be look more like an athletic for sports betting type of thing, very news-based. And we very pivoted to more of like a streaming platform, like a YouTube or a Netflix, uh, which is the way that I think most people are consuming content nowadays anyways. But onboarding content creators in that short of a time frame is very challenging. A lot of people work for other brands already. So there's conflicts of interest. Ultimately, the way I pitched it to them is we'll compensate you for your time, obviously. And, and honestly, every content creator is, I've been very fair with them in terms of like, hey, if this is what you think your time is worth, we'll pay you that. And we've kind of went about it that route. But also they all want to be part of a community as well, where we can help each other grow, right? You know, John Anik is probably the, the biggest person on this content network. He's a play-by-play -play guy for the UFC. Now you can have people who join a content network that might have 500 followers on Twitter who are going to have their articles or their videos appear next to the play-by-play -play guy for the UFC. And that's very enticing and appealing to people. And once you start building up and you, you start to get those big creators on board, the dominoes just start to fall, right? A lot of people just want to be a part of it. People start reaching out to me. I want to be included in this. A lot of people over the years have reached out to me directly saying, hey, next time you have some sort of project, let me know. I'd love to work with you in some capacity. So we really got the ball going there. We hired some producers. I honestly can't even believe it came together as quickly as it did. It might be one of my greatest achievements in life. I say that in all seriousness, because at the end of August or at the end of uh, July, I should say, I was it, like, there's no way we're going to hit the start of football season. And we found a way to make it work. But yeah, I think ultimately the creators themselves, just like the audience, they want to be part of a community and they want to kind of use the network effect to help everybody grow. So uh, I, I think we have a very good group of people here that are all, all have the same vision. I'm pretty happy about that. That's awesome. And yeah, kudos on pulling all that together in two and a half months, right? I mean, that's a Herculean effort, both on the product side, never mind the onboarding of, of you know, dozens of content creators and, and getting it all live in time for football. In addition to these creators, Rob, that I guess I don't want to call them handpicked or curated, but I know you guys also, in addition to that, have an open platform for up and coming creators to publish onto the platform. And, and I'm just sort of curious if you can talk a bit about that as well. And I guess it's this whole notion of user generated content and basically being sort of the, the platform that they're all publishing on. How are you thinking about content moderation and sort of all these new problems that start to emerge once you basically open it up for the public to start creating content on your site? Yeah, so we do have a community content program. One of the inherent challenges in the sports space is, I mean, this kind of stems from personal experience for me, right? I studied computer science and statistics in school, and I was interning at a radio station at the same time. Eventually, they hired me, hired me full time before I even graduated college. And it never dawned on me that I could possibly work in the sports industry, like ever at any point. And I had to pay my dues a lot of time at that radio station before I got hired. But ultimately, what we have now is a lot of people who are never going to be given a chance because they don't have the prerequisites. 
whether that's a writing background or an English degree or even a sports betting background that can still produce good content that's going to get consumed. So we put together this program where anyone who wants to be able to publish something in the sports betting realm can put it together. We do have a team of editors that reviews it before it goes up on the site. We give them constructive feedback as well. This is a, a way for people to improve them, their skills. It's not just a, a way for us to collect free labor. It is a program where it's a little bit of give and take. Um, we also provide a path towards getting paid for every single writer as well, which I think is very important because at the end of the day, we're doing this because we want to find hidden gems. We want to find people that potentially would not have get, got discovered or never had that chance. So uh, I think it's very fair. We're able to publish a lot of content that they produce, get it out there, get them views, get their names out there. Now, if they go to apply for other writing gigs, they can cite these articles as well. So there's a lot of, of, of uh, benefits for both parties, but I, we think it's a pretty fluid program and we, we've gotten a lot of good feedback on it so far. Yeah, that's awesome, Rob. And I think there's a huge need for that. I was actually going to ask you a question in a couple of minutes, but I might as well ask it now, which is quite related. What advice would you, I guess, give to somebody that has ambitions to get into the sports betting content game? Maybe somebody that, you know, is sort of at the start of their journey. And I know you're, you're you know, several years into years now and you have a lot of that depth of experience. Um, what guidance would you give to somebody just on a personal basis or individual basis about how they should think about it and maybe sort of any pitfalls to avoid along the way? I think one of the biggest challenges is the networking component, especially for someone who might have a very small social following uh, or has never heard of before. At the end of the day, it's just about, I don't want to say it's just about, it's about a lot of things, but it's, it's very cliche, but, but hard work matters, right? Like you, you have to be able to pitch yourselves to as many people as possible and kind of make that connection to break through. Unfortunately, that's just the reality of the sports betting space is unless you can find some sort of connection, someone who's, who, who can kind of guide you along the right path, it's very tough to break into that industry. So personally, the, the people that, I, that ended up writing for BetStamp I mean, these are people that are very hardworking, reached out to pretty much every BetStamp employee saying like, I can do this job, I can do this gig, give me a chance type of thing and really sold themselves well. So I think part of it is just getting your name out there. I mean, reach out to as many contacts as possible. It might seem like it's it's overkill at times, but send, send like, you know, connect with people on LinkedIn, send them writing samples, connect with people on Twitter or social and say, hey, this is what I can bring to the table for your brand. Really pitch what you can bring to the table for that brand and sell yourself. And I mean, it should be fairly, it's a lot easier than people think to break into the space. Yeah, 100%. I also want to ask just about, I guess, the go-to-market strategy for the Hammer Bet. And I'm curious specifically why you decided to launch it as a standalone brand and instead not put it under the bet stamp umbrella, which, you know, obviously maybe would have given it a bit of a head start with an installed user base and sort of the, the brand equity that bet stamp already has. What, what was, I guess, the, the driver to create a brand new brand identity for the hammer bet and this project? There were a lot of them, to be completely honest with you. One is the conflicts of interest that we thought would happen with mm. other content creators. So BetStamp is a licensed affiliate. That's how we make our money. We send traffic to sports books. Some of the other content creators on our platform and ones that we targeted were also working for other affiliates where it would potentially be a conflict of interest. On top of that, BetStamp had a capital raise in January. We took on a bunch of money. Um, we do have a board. We wanted to incentivize some of the key hammer content creators with the possibility of equity in the company as well. And we can't just carve out equity from BetStamp and start giving it to people without board approval and so on and so forth. So it just made more sense to go uh, down this path. I mean, we could, we really could have done one way or the other. 
I think this was the path that would have led us to the quickest growth and being able to to set it on on a, a great path starting in football season here. Cool. Nope, that makes total sense. And I guess just sticking quickly with the Hammerbet brand, wondering if you can just talk quickly about some of the other names that were maybe ideated on on the whiteboard before you guys settled on the Hammerbet. And just what was that sort of journey like, I guess, giving a brand identity to this thing? It was a nightmare of a journey. <laughs> I'll tell you that because everybody's contributing their own opinions. And we had at that time, I want to say eight people that were contributing different names and we had a voting process. We originally incorporated the company as the Banger Betting Network before we realized this is probably not a great idea considering all of the uh, adult film connotations and, and so on and so forth. So we need to find something else. A lot of people brought ideas to the table. We did sort of like an Olympic style vote where you just get rid of the worst ones. And we got down to the final three names, which I'm, I can share, but they were the hammer, the handle and the board were the final three that we considered. Um, the board would have been, I think, a little bit too professional. It, it Maybe not, but it, it was a very close vote between the hammer and the handle. Ultimately, I voted for hammer number one, so I got my wish. But uh, that was painstaking, honestly. I was, uh, I was away for vacation. I was in Chicago. Uh, telegram chats of just people pitching ideas. We, we had thousands of ideas for names, um, some which were already taken. I, I don't really ever want to go through that, that process again. It was, it was, it felt like forever. So no rebranding in the imminent future here. Sounds like. <laughs> I don't think so. I, we're all pretty happy. Like once we picked the name, everybody was, there was no one that was sour about it. We're like, this is what we all collectively decided on. We're going with it. What, what I love though, is that as we pitch content creators and they start asking us what the name was, when we were telling them it was going to be called the hammer, it was, we got a lot of great feedback. So that was when we kind of really knew, okay, this is, this is what, you know, we made the right decision here uh, or the group collectively made the right vote. But um, yeah, that was kind of the, the final, like, okay, we, you know, we really got it here. You know, we've talked a, a few times in the last little bit just about gambling Twitter. And again, for the audience listening to this podcast, I mean, maybe some folks are, are you know, sort of passive followers of gambling Twitter, but by and large, I'd say that Venn diagram doesn't overlap a whole heck of a lot. And I'm just wondering for the audience's benefit, if you could talk just a little bit about, uh, you know, gambling Twitter, of which you're a fixture, I would probably, you know, go so far to suggest you might be on the Mount Rushmore of gambling Twitter. But yeah, again, just for those listening that, that don't follow um, that community, just wondering if you can sort of give a sense of the vibe, the dynamic, and just sort of, uh, sort of what you see out there these days on gambling Twitter. Nowadays, I think it's very toxic. Um, so I, I joined Twitter, I think back in 2011, maybe 2012, something around there. And there was very few people talking sports betting on Twitter. And these were, I mean, eventually the, these people, including myself, are considered the OGs of gambling Twitter in some capacity because we were the first ones doing it. Then over time, uh, more and more people, you know, regulation in the US, regulation in Canada now, more and more people tuning into sports betting, that com gambling Twitter community becomes larger. And frankly, a lot of people that are around from the beginning uh, are not very inclusive. So you get a lot of toxic commentary in there, a lot of people picking fights with one another, a lot of trolls. So it's unfortunately not what it was when I first joined, because when I first joined, it was an a absolutely great asset for me in terms of educating myself, learning from other people. Uh, it was really good. 
you barely find any of that nowadays. And even then you do get like the sharp on sharp fights now. And, you know, I do this better than you and this approach stinks and so on and so forth. So it's, I spend less time on Twitter than I used to for that reason. I think it's a lot more toxic. If you can filter out the fluff though, there's still a lot of great people yeah. in the community that are providing uh, very valuable information on a day-to-day -day basis. So I don't want, I don't want to paint it entirely in a bad light, but certainly I'd say there's more conflict than anything else nowadays. I guess with everything you have going on between Betstamp, now the hammer bet, all of the betting you're continuing to do, all of the content you're creating, how do you find balance? Um, and I guess, what do you do outside of sports betting just to get away from it all to the extent that you even can? So I find it very hard. Something that's always been a challenge for me in life is taking on too much. I have an inability to say no. Uh, like when I first heard, you know, when we first started discussing the hammer betting network as an idea, I was like, telling my, my partners at Betstamp, Johnny and Julian, I don't know if I can do another thing. Like, and then as I thought about it a couple, a little bit more, I'm like, this idea is too good to pass up. I'm going to do it. I don't want to say there's regrets, but I'm working a lot. I spend a lot of time working, especially during football season. Summer's a little bit better because I can get away and I can golf a lot. Uh, but I live in Toronto. It gets cold in the winter. There, I can't, I can't find a golf course where I can play. So I'm pretty much glued to my computer and the TV through the winter months until football season ends. And then I have like a little bit of a break. But I mean, I, I, I do make it a point of emphasis to at least get up, get away from my desk once an hour, even if it's for five minutes to walk around. I do exercise regularly, which I think is important for, for mental health. And, you know, I play the guitar as a hobby. I, I have hobbies just around the house that I can pick up and, and get away from things. But I, I have not found the answer in terms of maintaining a, a good life balance. Sometimes my wife will put it into perspective for me and she'll be like, yeah, you've been at your computer for, you know, 65 hours this week. And I'll be like, okay, you know, thank you for, I didn't even realize it uh, yeah. sometimes. So uh, I, I have to work on that. Fair enough. If you looked into your crystal ball, Rob, say three, four or five years into the future, where is Hammerbet at that time? And what does life look like for Hammerbet sort of over that timeline? I will give you the, the honest answer here. I, I never create a company with the goal of exiting it in like a year. I want to create a company because I want to build it into something big. And ultimately, though, I do think within three to five years, there are enough sports books that are looking for content and enough other media companies, you know, you see the New York Post purchase the athletic, for example, that are looking for betting content that I think there's a fairly decent chance that we may have exited to a sports book or a media company. And I'm probably still producing content for them on some sort of contract, as are the rest of the hammer creators. So that's probably where we are. If not, Great. I mean, I, I think that this, this can sustain itself for a long time. I think we can grow it into something huge. I hope that we grow it into something huge, but I, I'm a realist as well. And I, I recognize where the space is at right now. If we pull this off successfully in this year, there's going to be a lot of attention and probably a lot of offers that come our way. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that's the most likely scenario, but I would be, um, I'd be happy if it wasn't as well. Yeah, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see that headline go by my feed uh, one day in the future here. And uh, definitely, I mean, for a first version, it just launched this week. It looks fantastic. And if this is V1, I can't imagine how great it'll look sort of one, two, three years uh, into the future here, Rob. So my last question for you here, which I ask all of my guests, if you weren't working in sports betting, if you weren't developing an app for Betstamp, if you weren't creating content with the Hammerbet Network, if you weren't doing anything in sports in a parallel universe, what would you be doing instead? Oh, that's, that's challenging. 
not in sports. Yeah. I mean, I, my, all my life, I've all I've known is sports. Uh, really, I can't even think about not working outside of sports. I traded crypto for a little bit. I also hated that as well because a lot of staring at screens all day. I don't even know what I, I have no physical skills or abilities. Like I hate manual labor. I've never even thought about that, Jesse. I mean, I can't even give you an answer because it's so, it's something I've never put any, any thought into whatsoever. I'm an analytical guy. I probably would end up in, in like a boring desk job if I had to, to think about it. Probably working for a bank, you know, like I'm, I'm just being a realist here. Like I gravitate towards numbers and I, I find that to be the, you know, where I would naturally end up. I mean, the fact you've never thought about it is probably a testament to just how deeply immersed you are in into the betting world. And uh, uh, there's no wrong answers on this podcast either, Rob. So we'll accept that. We'll we'll let it go. Um, for folks listening that want to check out the Hammer or want to see any of the other projects you're involved with or get in touch with you, how do you best suggest they go about doing all that? Yeah, for sure. You can follow me on Twitter. I do have my DMs open always. So anyone who wants to reach out to me, direct line to me, I do respond to every single person, no matter what the comment is. So you can do that at Rob Pizzola on Twitter. Uh, also, yeah, please support my ventures, the hammer.bet. You can check it out. I do think that it's there's content there for everyone who's who's immersed in the sports betting space. And check out Betstamp as well. We do have a desktop version now, which you can check out at betstamp.app, or you can download it on mobile. But I, I firmly believe in the two. I don't get involved in projects that I don't believe in. Uh, I still use the app every day. I think it's just a, a great tool for sports bettors. It's free to use. Doesn't, you know, there's no, we're not trying to upsell you on anything. So just check it out, uh, betstamp, the hammer.bet and follow me on Twitter. Awesome. I'll drop the links to all of those in the show notes. But for now, Rob, thanks so much for grabbing a few minutes here with us today. Really enjoyed learning more about the Hammerbed, all your other projects, getting to know you a bit better and wishing you great success for the new NFL season and looking forward to continuing to follow the story. Thanks for having me, Jesse.